This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft, that's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You're listening to episode 187. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rkraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on Apple Podcasts. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the microcap message. We are officially now one week away from the SNN Network Summer Virtual Event 2021. The full event agenda is now live. Check out to see the themes and topics for all the keynotes and panels, as well as the latest list of the presenting companies that will be joining us. Booking one-on-one meetings with our presenters is also now open. So if you're thinking about participating, now is the time to register, set your schedule, and availability. If you'd like to participate, please click the register button when you go to our website, which is conference.snn.network. You will have access to all company presentations, keynotes, and educational panels directly on the conference website on each day of the event once you are logged in. And you will also be eligible to request and conduct one-on-one meetings with presenting company management teams. To register, go to conference.snn.network and click register. I look forward to seeing you all there. Now, for this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Jason Greenwald. He's a full-time private investor who, as he says on Twitter, used to only buy real estate at foreclosure auctions and has uh, advanced some since. I've known and followed Jason for a long time on Twitter, and it was only a matter of time that we had a chat on the pod. And we discuss everything, you know, real estate, stocks, and most importantly, we commiserate on our respective favorite sports teams. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 187 of the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with Jason Greenwald. Welcome back, everybody, to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is a gentleman who I, I've, I've known him on Twitter. It's one of those classic, you know, Twitter back and forths. Uh, and I've always respected a, a lot of what he's put out there in, in the Twitter universe. And uh, I know he's a full-time investor, uh, both in stocks and also real estate. So we're going to have a, an all-encompassing type conversation. Hopefully, we don't just get hung up on sports because I decided to wear a Rangers jersey today and he's a Caps fan. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jason Greenwald, full-time private investor. Jason, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Bobby? How you doing, bro? It's so I'm so happy to be on your show. I'm excited to have you. And uh, listen, we, I, like I said in the opening, we're going to promise not to do too much sports talk, but I, listen. I, I can't I, I make to, any promises. Dude. dude, you're throwing a New York Rangers jersey right in front of me, and you say I can't say anything to that? No, 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 no. no. 
We'll have some fun. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, look, I'm wearing a Lundqvist jersey, and for those who don't follow NHL, I, and I'm not, I can't even say I follow it as closely, he was signed by the Caps after the Rangers released him, and then he never laced him up. I'm sorry, man. You know, I'm you, just you shaking my head here, yeah. sulking and crying. I'm, I'm so sorry. And this has actually been a tough time for a Washington sports fan. You, well, actually, your thoughts on the Westbrook trade. He's coming out my way. Uh, he wasn't going to be here that long, bro. He, I mean, he was going to be here for a cup of coffee, wham, bam. I mean, he wasn't going to stay here. It's a bad team. Bradley Beal doesn't want to stay here. I mean. But he, but he keeps saying the right stuff. He says he loves, like, his family's uh, yeah. I mean, is, he, is, it, is it word service or what? Oh, he's not staying here, man. He's gone. He's gone. The team will be bad. They won't win the E. Hey, for the last 30 years of being a sports fan here, it's been brutal. Um, our football team was good when I was about five or six years old, and then it stopped. So it's been twenty. It's been twenty-eight years of hell. Well, you know, look, you at least got to you at least have you at least have gotten to celebrate a Stanley Cup uh, yes. in the last ten years, 10, 15 years. All I have is heartbreak and my wife rubbing it in my face because she's a Kings fan. So oh, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, I did not know the Kings part, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was – see, look, dude, you're not the only one. But you guys really, had Gretzky and Messier. That was pretty awesome. I'm not yeah. going to lie. That's when I became a true, like, hockey fan. Yeah, that when, was pretty like, awesome. when, when you became aware – like, you know, we can all point to, like, that time in sports when you became aware. Like, baseball was Derek Jeter, 96. Hockey, <sighs> not, 98 Gretzky. Yeah, I mean, you New York people don't have anything to say anything about for a long time. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining. You know, no. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like outwardly complaining, but I mean, I, but I enjoy it. You would like more. <laughs> we would like more. Is that so, is that so much to ask? I think you know? the Knicks have probably the longest, play. I mean, that's some trouble. I mean, we'll see, dude. Like, I like, I mean, I like what they're, I like, I mean, it just depends on who they get. Like, I hope, I, I, I'm kind of in the camp of like, I prefer not to get one of these older point guards uh, for a three-year stretch run for, and for a hundred million dollars for a hundred million dollars. And then what you're going to, we're going to, we're going to trade everybody away to get Dame or, or, or Bradley Beal. Like that. No, I, I, I like RJ. I like Randall, you know, like let's, let's do another year. Let's see what happens. Guess what? I don't even mind if next year's a shit year because then maybe we get a lottery pick and the next lot, the next year's draft supposed to be good too. So. And it doesn't even matter because the team in the West will probably win anyways. I mean, the I Lakers, mean, the Clippers. Yeah, it's it's fun that we're competitive. Don't get me wrong. That this yes. year was a super fun year to, to to be a Knicks fan. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. All right, okay. I think I think we've exhausted our audience on sports talk. So uh, let's let's. Sorry, Finn to it. I'm sorry. Yeah, Finn to it. We're very we're really apologetic. You know, I should just start another pod that's more like our sports and investing talk. You know, but but anyways. Anytime. Anytime. All right, here we go. Jason, let's, let's get into it. You know, uh, yes. where would you say, <laughs> this is a quick, a quick transition. Where would you say your passion for investing began? Then? Well, to be honest, um, I'm a little unusual in the sense that I don't have a CFA or an MBA. Uh, in fact, I haven't even taken a formal class in business. So a lot of investing for me was kind of sitting around the 
dinner table, hearing stories that my grandparents had some properties, small time stuff, like four or five ramblers. And then that kind of grew and it didn't turn into much until 2008. I graduate from college in May. Don't really have anything to do, frankly. I mean, didn't have a job lined up. You know, I could have done a couple things. And then a family member wants to buy a friend's house at foreclosure, like as a favor to him. So I attend the auction. I see what goes on. I see the dynamic of three investors for a hundred houses. So you had just a big forced selling um, happening. And I didn't really think a lot of it. And one thing leads to another. And I have about five grand to start off with. I buy a condo for 5000 which is crazy that you could actually buy a property for $5,000. But in wow. 2008, you could. Like hearing 5000 for a condo. So right? I automatically wholesale wow. it to someone for thirty nine. I didn't even have to clean. I didn't have to do anything. Like I saw the house before, the condo. I knew it was clean, so that five turns into 39. And then I pay taxes on that. And then I use about, I pretty much use every penny from that, so about 30. And then at that time, Bobby, you could buy a single family house that's now worth 380. Then you could purchase it for 40. I mean, the, I mean, the comps were crushed and it was just an aspect that like no one wanted houses. I mean, it's not like how it is now. I mean, we've come the full circle. So I use that 30 and I partner with some other person and I'm the buying and selling aspect. So I get half of the deal, but I don't have to put up half the money. So so at that point, I find someone who wants to buy each house for 120 each. So this, so this 30 turns into 120. And this is in the span of about a year and a half. So to make a very long story short, from 08 to 12 was basically me building the capital required to have plenty of rental houses to provide a, I call it a, a cheap man's float. So people hand you rent, you pay your expenses, and then you have money. And that was the goal anyways. And it's taken a pretty long time, but here we are. So over 13 years, it's come to the point where I have some float and I have to use it. Prior to, prior to COVID, when properties were normal, or I guess normal for, for the time, I could just buy houses. And stocks was something, I knew about stocks. I had some Berkshire, which I have still, and some Altria which I have still, but was not a stock person at all. I mean, I didn't know about shares outstanding and 
All of these terms, I didn't have a clue about. So, and then, and then, um, and then Corona hit and the foreclosure moratorium starts. And I've had about a year and a half to brush up on the, uh, on the stock part of things. So that's kind of how it happened. Gotcha. Dude, I mean, what's been, what I was going to say this one for later, but I, I have to ask you now, like, what, what has it been like, dude, as a, as a landlord for the last, you know, what, 18, 20 months? Like, yeah. Um, oh. I've been very fortunate. Um, all of my properties are rented through the Baltimore uh, relocation housing program. And so I get um, rent that just comes into me. So it's like a direct deposit. Um, so I was shielded from a lot of that, um, from a lot of that part. Um, some people have gotten lucky that the tenants are paying and some people don't have, I mean, it would not be the time to have low quality tenants and be highly levered. Um, I think there's a possibility that smaller time landlords, uh, with high debt could have a problem because, um, right? Like someone has to pay. I mean, so it's either the bank, the tenant or the landlord. So for me, um, and I kind of structured all of this kind of on purpose. Like, it's not like I knew that COVID would happen, but I like the aspect of a direct, um, a direct hit of cash. And I probably charge five to 8% less than I could, but I understand that. And I, and for time, I mean, I can't tell you in times like this, but in times like this, it's helpful. Um, so thank God for me, I've been, um, um, shielded off, but there have been people who haven't been quite as lucky as me. Absolutely. I mean, so in terms of looking at new potential places to buy, by the way, I was just adjusting my shirt. I didn't want to like rub it in your face or anything. There is chesty, uh, man. <laughs> so, I mean, in, in times like these too, when you're looking to potentially deploy cash, I mean, what do you, has there been anything? I mean, I know I, yeah, no, so stories in California, but like, yeah, I mean, so the property, so all of my properties um, are actually in the same neighborhood. They're actually on the same street. So I'm pretty concentrated. Like once I really like something, I like them. So I was buying these at like a 14% cap rate. Non-levered. And now they're selling for five. So, you know, like a five or six. So, so for me, I, I mean, I manage the properties, so I need to take up. So, so for me to go through all that, and like I tweeted this morning, I had to call the 
plumber, you know, for a problem, I need to get paid to take on that Michigas, like all that crap. And so for me to, to make 6% where I could send my cash to Berkshire Hathaway or to fill in the blank and make eight, to me, that seems a lot more appealing. So I can tell you straight up, I have not bought anything to rent since early, since early to mid 2019. So it's been two years. I mean, COVID is that it's kind of misleading. Um, and that was like a private deal through the previous homeowner, but it's been, um, and there are certain, there are some foreclosures happening. Um, those are on non FHA mortgages. And what's happened is Bobby is you now have a dynamic of 50 bidders for three houses. It's the total switch to how it was in 08. So it's been interesting for me to see how that's changed. Um, it got particularly harder when COVID happened. I don't know what, ha- I mean, um, the amount of euphoria from people at the auction is something I haven't seen before. Now, granted, I started off pretty much like in the stock version of the 29 crash. So I guess a person could say, like, you started so low that anything higher is higher. But it's pretty um, it's pretty interesting to see that change. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, just putting our crystal ball hat on, I mean, when you with the moratorium on evictions, well, it's supposed to end. I think like what a week. I believe the end. It was supposed to be. Supposed I to. thought the end of August, but that might change, and it has to go. So certain states have certain laws in terms of foreclosures. So Maryland has very different than Virginia that has different from. Georgia, but sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was just going to say like, what do you, do you see that there's going to potentially be more opportunities to deploy, deploy cash because there might be some more foreclosures or like, what's, what, like what's it's going to be interesting. Be, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because it's not all going to hit right at the same time. Right. So in Virginia, there's no court process. So they can start foreclosures in probably three or four weeks, right when they like right when it's um, the moratorium's over. In Maryland, you have to go through a court process that can be three four months. So they're so they're not all going to hit right at the same time. It's going to be like you go, then I go, then you go, then I go, then you go. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. I wish I had the answer or else I would have a uh, country probably. Um, but I know there's a supply and demand um, 
imbalance. And that's been since 2008. And I think Twitter has been pretty vocal on that. Uh, I will tell you the low end of the, the, the home ranges here are starting to get extremely high. And I don't really know how that leaves the small guy. Um, I mean, in the county I'm in, to get a single family home that's decent, you're spending 500000 plus, which in some parts of the country is not a lot of money. In certain parts of the country, that's a ton. So I don't know what will happen. Um, I know enough to know that I don't know. Um, I would say that interest rates could be pretty interesting. I mean, who knows if they're going higher or lower? I have no idea on that. I will say that if they go higher, it would make prices of homes, I would think, not go up as purchasing power is crushed. Um, I don't know, man. I wish I knew how this thing would play out. I would, if someone put a gun to my head, it won't be like 2008. Um, the, the, the underwriting in 08 was just a joke. I mean, you had people that literally didn't have to, um, I mean, people were just writing incomes, um, and just like qualifying for houses where in 2020, 2021, that that's not the case. So I don't see a crash happening. Um, that doesn't mean that, that prices can't cool down some, but it's funny, like right when Corona happened, all of my real estate people were chatting and we thought by now there would be more foreclosures than you could ever see. And prices from then would go down 20%. Well, from that conversation, the prices have increased about 25% or higher. So I can't predict anything. Um, I just don't have a clue, man. I I will tell you, I don't see a 2008 happening, but that doesn't mean we can't have a little cooling off period too. Right. Yeah, no, like I, it's, it, like one of the things I was excited to talk about was like, what's some of the dynamics in real estate, just because I'm, I'm such a dumb dumb about it. And like, and, and also my, my own family, like they, they're in, I'm on my in-laws side, they're, they're yeah. in a, a residential construction. And it's just interesting to see some of the dynamics going on, even in, in LA and different parts of, of the city where, you know, everything on it, that's on the market from one to 3 million is, yeah. is like 20 offers cash, like, yep. like, uh, let me take, you know, and these are homes that are probably selling for 20 to 30% higher than the, what they were listed at. But meanwhile, there's some areas of the city, like in Venice, like Marina, Santa Monica area that are, you know, it's a little bit harder. I mean, above, I'd say the three range because right. of some of the dynamics going on with like homeless and, and uh, just people not leaving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, here the prices aren't quite as high, but um, the only thing I don't see moving quickly are condos. Condos are pretty cold. Um, If you have a high rise and you're on like the top, like the top third 
floor, then you're okay. But condos are pretty cold here. Um, but like I talked to people in South Bend, Indiana. I have a friend there. His house was 225. In two days, he had 22 offers. So like it's like this everywhere. Um, so I just don't know how this whole movie will end. See, for me, like, I think my head is a little tainted because I saw the, the 2008 crash so hard that you always think it's going to go like that again. And it probably won't. I mean, that was a once in a 50, maybe 100 year event. Um, but I'm tracking the foreclosure delinquencies every quarter. They've been going down consistently since 20, I don't know, 16 or so. So in Corona, you had a slight increase, but it's, 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 um, I don't see a tidal wave that we saw previously. And I don't know what will happen to home prices because everywhere you talk to, they're just crazy, man. I mean, like the people that are selling their homes, they have to be purchasing something else. You would think, or renting, or renting, right? Because they are saying, "Well, prices are kind of too high now." So, I mean, for me personally, um, and I said this on Twitter, so it's not like it's breaking any rules. I sold my property to rent. It's the first time that I've rented a property in my whole entire life before, uh, and that happened during Corona. Like, I got a price. That I was happy with. See you later. Um, who knows if that will be the? I mean, who knows if that will end up being the correct move? But the price that I would have to pay for the rent I'm paying here would just—it's just crazy high. So um, who knows? I mean, that could end up being very smart or dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously, not come on, man, give yourself a little credit. I mean, uh, (laughs) but I mean, it seems like the only thing, I mean, it's not the only thing, but just each time you kind of keep going back to like, all right, interest rates, right? Like they're so low that it's really, it's, that's why there's 20 offers on some of these homes because most of these people are like, hey, like, I don't care. Purchasing power is a lot. Yeah. Like, so what if I'm paying 20, 30% more than less? Like, do you see what my interest rate is going to be? Like, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, and like, and that's a fixed rate. Right. Right. I mean, that's something that you and I can't control. So I really have not even thought about what could happen or what will happen. Um, Buffett has this term, like um, to focus on the, important and knowable and it's extremely important, but I'm not smart enough to, to, to have it knowable. So it's something I think about, but I don't waste a lot of time with it. Gotcha. All right. So I want to shift gears to your perspective on, on your, on your, well, really your investing style in stocks. Yes. I would, based on, on some of the stuff that you sent me prior to our chat today, it, and, and, and especially what you've said today, it sounds like it's not very different. You know, you, you've concentrated a book, a real estate book where literally you have properties on the same block 
and then you have a relatively concentrated portfolio. You know, so how do you think about stock selection? You know, what stock? You know, what what stocks you potential you look at for potential investment? Love to hear your style there. Sure. Um. So pre so pre Corona, I was buying a lot of um cheap. Uh, not the most desirable companies with great managements and moats. I mean, I wouldn't say that was a large portion of my portfolio, but it was some. And Corona now has really taught me that managements are very important and um, that quality is. So I have... Um, my largest single holding is Berkshire Hathaway, and that's a very one foot hurdle. I mean, Buffett, the businesses are great. Um, for me, I don't know a lot about technology, so I that I kind of stay away from that. Um, I really put a lot of emphasis on the jockey, you know, so I have a a uh, Facebook state. And for me, and it sounds crazy, my main thesis on Facebook was, or is, you have a guy, Zuckerberg, who is young, he's a genius, and he would rather have a heart attack and die than see his company head to zero. I mean, you have a jockey that is driven and smart and really, really competitive. I mean, that's like obvious. So because I didn't have formal education, Bobby, I didn't have um, theories and ideologies to kind of wrap my head around capital allocation. So for me, I buy companies that I think I can understand, whether it's military contractors or tobacco or Berkshire Hathaway or Facebook um, or uh, IEC. Like I'm putting a lot of emphasis on the jockey. I... um, like I just try to focus on industries that I feel like will be here for a very long time. Like military is not really going anywhere. Yeah, the spending is starting to flatten, but whether we like it or not, we have to have this stuff. So, um, and it's stocks that no one truly likes. I mean, no one except for Lawrence Hamtel truly tweets about Lockheed or Northrop Grumman which I own. So um, for a lot of years, actually, before COVID, I would just purchase stocks on crashes. Like every two years, I figured, well, there's a crash. Like it happened in 16. It happened in 18. It actually happened in 21. Like every two years, you just have some craziness happen. And I would just store up enough cash to where I could buy this stuff. Um I'm much more comfortable purchasing when the screen is red Um, because I was kind of brought up that way in 2008 
And I feel like my edge is not going to be on the ability to read a balance sheet. My edge, if I have one, will be trying to make the right choices when other people are backing out. And it's happened to me in houses. My stock returns haven't been quite as high, but that's just kind of how I uh, think about it. Cool. I listen, man. That is definitely an edge. Like, have just having the stones. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, to me, right? to be honest with you, like, I'm much. I. It is very tough for me to buy. Like, I hear this quote, at, um, like, per, like, buy high and sell higher, and like, I'm sure for some people, um, that's great. I, I, I am, I am very comfortable purchasing, like, in. March of 2020. Like I've seen that happen in real estate. So to see it happen in stocks, like I wasn't that uncomfortable. Um, for me, it's hard in 2021. Like, um, so the place of red is if I'm going to have an edge, that's it. Hopefully. Got it. So, I mean, so, I mean, let's go back to that most recent, this most recent you know, red experience in, in was March, March, 2020, March, April, 2020. I mean, what was, I mean, you must've been like a, a kid in the candy store at that point, you know, like how did you decide which one you wanted to just, like you think back retrospectively, throw a dart. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, I will say my largest buy in March was Disney. Um, my issue for me is I normally get so excited when I see red that I'm usually too early. Like if there's an issue I have, it's a, it's that I'm always a little too, like in March of 2020, I have to preface this all by saying, I did not know about portfolio construction, like sizing of stock. I did not know anything about this. I was just buying, like if I had cash and I liked it, then buy it. I mean, the fact that that stock was a 10% position or a 20 or a two was not something that even crossed, like I hadn't even heard of it. So my thought process in 2020 was, I don't know what the heck will happen, but I'm going to buy as high quality as I possibly can. Now, quality to you and quality to me and quality to, to, to she, I mean, that could be different, but I bought, I mean, but it's, so I sold FedEx at, at $129. So it's not like it's all peaches and cream, but for me, I saw red. I mean, if you have a limit down day every day for weeks, and if that's not like a thought that someone's hitting you on the head and saying to purchase, then nothing else will. I mean, no one on CNBC was saying to purchase anything, um, which is probably the reason why you should be. So for me, I saw a 5% day every day and I'm like, like it's time to buy. I mean, I don't know if I'm right now, but in 10 or 20 years, it, it won't matter. So I sold the airline positions I had, which, because they were just, I just didn't know how that would play out and just bought, you know, a lot more Berkshire and uh, Facebook and some JP Morgan and 
just tried to go as high quality as I could. Um, like I said, like I did not know anything about position sizing. I mean, it was just like, if I have cash, then I'll just use it. I mean, like 10% positions. So for me, I was um, like a kid in a candy store. I was surprised that it was over so quickly, though. Because it was over in what, April, May? I mean, by then, June, I don't know exactly that point where it goes up, but you had about a month, two months, maybe. And then you had some good deals, but the cheap stuff, I think, and I could be wrong on exactly that time frame, but you had to be in there quickly. I mean, you had to move quickly. And no one was, yeah. I mean, in times like that, you just have to say to yourself, like, if no one is telling you to buy, you probably should. I mean, that's not, I mean, 100% of the time, but you have to put things kind of together. But at least, but at, at the end of the day, at least it, it, it's, it, it should be one of those things you're like, oh, okay, that's. You if it's very shut, uncomfortable, that means it's probably right. <laughs> yeah. well it's like if if, if, if it's uh, everyone said it's it's her mentality right like it, and it's just that feeling of you know wanting to be i'd say most of us have our natural contrarians right we're like right and i think like seeing what happened in 08 prepped me for that like that's a very comfortable play i mean it's not comfortable for anyone but i i'm not that uncomfortable right 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 all right. So, I'm, so, so moving from there, I mean, what would you say is more difficult to manage, you know, a concentrated book of real estate or a concentrated book of stocks? You know, what's, what, ten, what, what do you find keeping you up most at night? If, if, if at all. Um, there is a nice aspect to stocks that you send your money up to management that you trust and you just let them kind of handle it. I mean, um, I don't know if one is easier. I will tell you, I'm probably the only person on the planet that I think since COVID, I actually like stocks more than houses now. But um, it's a different thing, Bobby. Like, because of the way companies can grow at 20% and rents can't, the emphasis on the buy in real estate, I think, is a little more crucial. I mean, you don't want to ever overpay for a stock, but if you overpay by Google or whatever, by 20%, it's growing or fail or fill in the blank. Like you're going to get out of it okay eventually. But if you overpay in houses, I mean, the house has no feelings for what you paid for it. So, I don't know if one is easier. I mean, there's certain aspects to like, you know, the aspect to leverage in real estate is, is pretty attractive. Um, the fact that it's so illiquid kind of lends itself to more long-term holdings where it's not like in stocks where you can sell a hundred shares of Berkshire. So, um, I don't think one is necessarily easier. I will tell you, I think because of the vast liquidity of stocks, 
there are more times where price and intrinsic value are not correlated because you can have a forced selling aspect in stocks in 24 hours that that in houses that doesn't really happen i mean the crash in 08 was weird but like that's not normal i mean normally you're just kind of flat and you're just kind of raising so i think to be honest with you i think there's more opportunities in in stocks than houses i mean um the problem with real estate is if you're and i've had this problem like if you're going up uh, against other people that have more capital than you then you're kind of screwed i, I mean you can play in the field that 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 they're not playing in, but it's tough. But in stocks, everyone is somewhat equal-ish. I mean, you know, everything's out there for you. Um, you don't have an aspect in houses. Like, so when you buy a foreclosure, right? There could be people in the house and it's your job to handle it. So it's January 1st, right? Let's just say that. And you put down your 10% deposit and you go to the house and say, oh, like I purchased your house. Like eight times out of 10, they slam the door on you. When you still have to pay for that house, regardless if the people are, are inside it. Where in stocks, it doesn't happen. Like you buy 100 shares of Apple, you have 100 shares of Apple. So... My world is a very imperfect world. Um, to further on that point, if you buy a foreclosure, let's just say on January 1st, and you buy that in Maryland, um, that process until you have to close on, it could be two months, it could be 10 months. So you are comping a house for today, but you may not be closing on it for two months or 10 months. So you don't really know when you're going to take, pos take possession of it. You don't really know when the people will leave and you don't really know when you have to comp the house for them. So it's a very imperfect world where in stocks, like, you know how you stand to a point. Um, so the worlds are just, I'm the only one who goes to the auctions who, um, probably has a college degree. It's a very messy business. I mean, it's not like this. Like, I'm not saying that stocks can't be, but it's a much more um, it like especially in my world, it's not a perfect world, and um, there's certain aspects of buying stocks that are kind of attractive actually yeah i mean buying stocks i mean especially if you're kind of buying more blue chippers which sounds like you were back in right back right in and like you know you know you can sleep you're like all right i don't need to call bob Iger and get what his forecast plan for you know you like you can do the research and it'll be okay but like with real estate especially foreclosures like the, there's there's people 
And there's people and like, so you could buy this house and put your 300,000 out there or 500 or 200 or 100. And those people are still in that house and you need to kick them out through the court system. And that takes time. And then you have to hire people to move their stuff. And then, so like that becomes a real messy thing. Um, you would be surprised how many people buy houses from the auctions that don't even see the houses prior to. It's like buying a stock without doing any research, like zero. I mean, all you know is the name of the thing. So um, it's an interesting world, man. Um, like seeing the two worlds, um, it's very, very interesting. Like you have people in my world who have, who have great sums of money who don't own any stocks, like all their money is just houses. So it's a cool thing to see like how the two worlds are. Right. And, it, and, it, and I'm sure, you know, when you say messy or, or imperfect, you know, like when you buy some of these foreclosures, I mean, like these are humans too, you know, it's like, and it's just, I mean, it's, and they're not it, happy to see you, right? Like not, they know it's, it's a, it break, like it breaks your heart on one hand, but at the same time, it's like, you know, what, what am I going to do? You know, like this is that it's property's value. And yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll speak to that. Yeah. I mean, it was a hard thing to see right after college in 2008. Um, the more you see it, the more, Fortunately or fortunately, you kind of just don't even think about that aspect because like, if I don't buy it, then someone else will. So if they can profit on, I'm, I'm like, which is maybe rationalization, but like, we're not doing anything. Like I don't do anything wrong or break the law or anything. So like, but it is a very sad aspect. Um, you know, like the hardest part is when you see children who's right. Like it's not their fault you know, that their parents have hard times or they made choices that they weren't supposed to do. Um, I saw the toughest part of that in 2008. And the more you do it, the more you just kind of get accustomed to it. Um, because you don't really have, you don't really have the time to think about it. Like the first year, the first two or three years, I was seeing 140 properties a week. Like I was seeing 20 houses a day. So you're doing so much work that the time to think about the other people, like, unfortunately, like, you can't have that mentality and survive in this industry. Um, like, I'm unfortunately just a little too nice. Uh, but a lot of people in my world can be brutal, man. I can, I mean, like, I can only imagine. You know, but, 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 you know, one, one question I have for you, and you, you've alluded to this a few times as well already, you know, how you really learned a lot in, in 08, you know, I mean, would you say just being there in 08 was an investing experience that impacted your career the most, or were there, is there anything in particular, you know, on the real estate or stock investing side that you're like, wow, I'll never forget that. That's staying with me for the rest of my career. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the 08 experience was probably an MBA. I mean, they had, I mean, and I don't know what an MBA course is. So, but there are certain things that I don't think you can really teach. Um, Someone who has an MBA, I will, I'll, I'll co-sign that one. 
Well, sure. and it's so funny because <laughs> I always had like a chip on my shoulder because like everyone on FinTwit like has an MBA or they're a CFP or Series 7 or blah, 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 where I'm just like a guy. And you often think that you have um, not as much information, but I can tell you that 08 was just being thrown into the pool and you either sink or swim. So um, that was an MBA just in itself. Um, I mean, like the whole 08 through 2012 of me starting off with this and going and wholesaling and this and that, this and that, this and that. I just, I mean, I kind of just not made it up as I went along, but kind of did what I felt was smart. And um, uh, so that was one aspect of it. And the other aspect that kind of helped me was, frankly, I mean, it's horrible to say this, but the whole Corona shutdown, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have turned to Twitter because I was bored and didn't have anything to do and thought that I should learn a lot more about businesses. And so I started to read and then I read the, uh, I probably have read 30, 40 books. So, so I've had the 08 experience was a full on um, MBA and kind of like the March of 2020 till now has been kind of the other part of that where you know, I can talk to people like you or or Science of Hitting, Alex, or um, so for me, like that aspect has been kind of the other half of it um, to see how the two worlds are, try to take the aspects that I think that I can wrap my hands around and um, yeah, and just see what happens, man. Very good. All right, man. Well, look, to close this out here today, you know, what advice would you have for, for folks out here listening that looking at either foreclosure market, real estate in general, investing, you know, what, what advice would you have? Right. I mean, for me, I kind of take what the defense hands me and I don't try to be like a John Elway and just like sling it in. I really take what the defense hands me and having one foot hurdles. Um, there's something to be said. I recognize that there will be other allocators that are much better than I am, but investing for me is like kind of driving around the highway. And as long as you make it around, then you'll be okay. It's sometimes that you think other people have Ferraris and they only have a quarter tank of gas in there. So don't try to, I would say kind of take what the defense hands you. Don't buy anything if you don't know about the company, because if you don't know anything about the company, when it comes to crunch time, you're not going to have a clue. And that's the big thing with me is I take like when people on Twitter, you know, have a stock that they like um, and it's coming from someone who's smart. It's very tough to say no 
And I think if you don't understand it, it's probably, um, or can kind of put your hands around it. It's probably not the right call in terms of real estate and foreclosures. To be honest with you, I don't have a, I don't have a clue. I mean, it's extremely hard, man. Like it's very hard right now. You, you, you have a lot of cash chasing very few assets. And I'm not saying that there's going to be anything terrible that happens, but I'm just don't want to hold that hot potato in the end. Um, so take what the defense hands you, you know, try to use temperament to your advantage. Um, there's a YouTube clip that Buffett has at the University of Georgia that I've tweeted out. And I've, it's was my only formal stock education and I've seen it a hundred times and I'll tweet it again. But if you watch that clip at the, at University of Georgia, and I've seen it a hundred times, just hear the whole thing. And that's how I think about it. Um, Buy companies that you can understand, buy companies that at least are producing cash, have the prospects to buy companies that have high quality managers. Um, I think if you do those things and you invest over the very long term and don't use margin, then you're probably okay. All right. Well, with that, Jason, where can our audience go and follow you on social media and, and to get more information on your insights and your thoughts? Yeah, I'm on uh, Jay Greenwald 86 Greenwald Capital on Twitter. Very good. Well, Jason, it's been an awesome speaking with you today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Continue to stay safe. And I look forward to our next update. All right, man. I appreciate it, Bobby. Have a great one, man. Thank you, you too. See you, man. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast podcast.